Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is another Victory Monday as we will further recap the Bucks winning 29 to 25 over the Atlanta Falcons to recapture first place in the NFC South. We'll get into what Todd Bowles had to say today, which, if we're being honest, was a whole lot of nothing. Besides, we did find out why there were only nine freaking players on the field when Bijan Robinson scored a touchdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll answer questions from our. Lovely, lovely Peter people. So a whole lot to get into on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is my fellow colleague from PeterReport.com, SR, Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are we doing? Doing good, Matt. Uh, you're such a trooper for hanging in there. A little under the weather today. Listed as questionable for the podcast, but it, you're a game-time decision, and here you are. And you show up as you always do. So we appreciate you, and uh, we'll do a little bit of the heavy lifting today for you. Um, I'll tackle during today's roll call, a little bit of a, uh, of a topic of mine, um, a little bit of a rant, as, as you will put up the, the locations of where our Peter people are watching from today. So I think everyone is <laughs> the old nine man goal line routine, new wrinkle from bulls. Yeah. Hey, listen, what, um, why, don't, why don't we start with that? Like, let's start like, with that. That, that. Cause that's the biggest thing that really came yeah. out from uh, the press conference with Todd Bowles today. He was asked yeah. about Vita Bay and Devin White, and he's essentially like, they're sore. I don't know. Maybe they'll come back this week. He doesn't yeah. really know. But how the hell do you have nine players on the field in a goal yeah. line situation? Everyone's close together. You can see everyone right then and there. Uh, just an inexcusable moment from the Bucks, who they did this last week where they had 10 players on the field. Now they took one off. I hope this week. We see a situation where the Bucks defense only has eight players on the field. Let's just <laughs> let's just slowly pick off a player week in and week out. But uh, his his reasoning for it, which there is no reason, yeah. um, he said that Will Golston got hurt and it wasn't identified by the coaches fast enough or brought to their attention fast enough that yeah. he needed to be stubbed out. And then another guy just ran off the field and no one else. Came. I mean, hold on, it, how how do you not know that? It's like. Yeah. There was a stoppage of play in the field. All the trainers, every one of the trainers came out to see Will Golston on the field. Okay. It wasn't like Will, you know, came to the sidelines and, hey, I sprained my ankle or something. I mean, it, it, this was pretty egregious. Um, yeah. How, and I'm assuming it's Casey Rogers, the defensive line coach. I'm assuming he's in charge of the substitutions, right, for the goal line defense, et cetera. He's in charge of the front seven as the, the, uh, the co defensive coordinator. He's got to know that Will Golston is in the blue tent getting looked at. And, and uh, uh, listen, I, I've done this as a defensive line coach back in my Pop Warner days. When, when you've got a player hurt, right, you, you identify that. And the first thing you do is you go to the backup and say, hey, you're, you're the starter now until I tell you that you're yeah. not, right? And whether, you know, it's like, hey, uh, Will Golston is also on the field goal, PAT protection, right? He's there. Mm -hmm. He, so he plays some special teams. He's in goal line packages, et cetera. So whoever that person is, Deidre Sanat, Greg Gaines, whoever's you know filling in for Will Golston has got to know that you're you're going in. And that's on the coaches to immediately identify that until the trainers or Will Golston comes up to you and says, Will's ready to go, or coach, I'm ready to go. Then you go and you tell that substitute, okay, we're going back to Will now. 
And, like, let's remember, they didn't have Vita Vea, so that's one less defensive tackle that you have to think <laughs> about <laughs> and, yeah. and worry about. And, you know, Pat O'Connor doesn't play that much. He did have a uh, he did have a big play in the game with the, uh, did. the tackle for safety, which obviously was set up by Antoine Winfield Jr. But, yeah, I mean, in a season where we've seen a lot of crazy stuff with the Buccaneers, and it seems like every single season, and, you know – I don't pay attention to every single team in the league, but like, remember last year with the Packers when they played and it was like Aaron Rodgers figured out what the bucks were going to run on offense on the two point right. version by seeing the scoreboard. Yes. <laughs> and like we had to bring that up with Todd Bowles every year. There's just like just a, an extremely wacky thing that I feel like only happens to the bucks and no other team. And yeah. uh, this having nine players on the field, I think takes the cake. Uh yeah, I agree. Uh, the the Tampa minus two, rather than the Tampa two. That's Scott great, Valdez, Scott. That is a fantastic comment. The Tampa minus two. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> might have to steal that. That's that's really yeah. good. Uh, yeah, but this is the second week in a row now, right? Because you had ten men on the field. Now here's the crazy thing. So against the the Panthers, and I wish I had this screenshot um, up where I could show you. I'll try to describe it, but. Against the Panthers last week, the Panthers were down there by the goal line for one of those uh, Chuba Hubbard touchdowns. And the interesting thing is they were actually in 11 personnel. So they had three wide receivers, right, and a back. And usually when you get down there, Matt, you know, you, you're in 12 personnel, two tight ends, or 13 personnel, right? You're like literally a foot or, or you know, yard or two away from, from the end zone. But what the Panthers did was they lined up in a goal line formation with three receivers, like, uh, like yeah. acting like, like tight ends all to one side. And, you know, Adam Thielen's a kind of a big receiver, right? He's a big bodied guy. So he almost served as a tight end at, on the line of scrimmage there, but the Buccaneers countered with dime defense. And it's like, you don't have to be like in a, in a total goal line package, but you should be in your base defense, not dime. Dime means that yeah. you have six defensive backs in. Okay. Now, one of those defensive backs, to be clear, was Ryan Neal, who was playing linebacker. Okay. Yeah. So technically, maybe they're yeah. maybe they're a nickel. But given that that formation, you should call a timeout and say, "Hey, coach, this is not your traditional eleven personnel. Would they have a three by one or a two by two out wide? They're they're pretty much in a goal line run formation here." And it was just an easy cakewalk, you know, for Chuba Hubbard on that play because the Buccaneers had a bunch of 190-pound defensive backs on the field at the goal line. So this is really the second time now where the Buccaneers have had a major screw-up that's cost them a touchdown in two back-to-back divisional games. This is something that Todd Bowles, Casey Rogers, have got to get figured out this week because guess what? Last time I checked, uh, Aaron Jones, who's probably going to be out tonight, but I think might have a chance of coming back, uh, or A.J. Dillon, either one of those guys. Last time yeah. I checked, they like to run the ball inside the five-yard line. That's kind of a, a Matt LaFleur staple. And so I, I, I would certainly spend maybe an extra period or two in practice this week on the goal line defense because it's just embarrassingly bad. Embarrassing is the right word, and uh, I guess we'll stick with the negative for a little bit. We'll get to the positives. The Bucks did win; they are in first place in the NFC South. But another thing, if we're if we're kind of picking on Todd Bowles right now, the timeout situation. 
Yeah. He doesn't call a timeout at all in the first half. Again, I think they really should have called one when Baker ended up uh, getting tackles when there was like one second yeah. left on the uh, on the game clock. You just call a timeout. Yeah. Maybe that that uh, I think that's the first drive of the game. But then in the second half, I mean, you immediately call a timeout on a fourth and two. Uh, yeah. I forgot the exact reason why. I think they were about to punt. It. The Falcons were about to punt it. So um, just a silly timeout there. And then. Was that the first challenge that Todd Bowles has made this season? Um, I'm not necessarily questioning that, but it was pretty clear on the replay that Mike had both feet in, but he did first foot and then his hand went out of bounds. So therefore it would have negated the second foot being in bounds. Right. That may have been the quickest, like, oh, let's look at it. Okay. All stands. Like they took (laughs) maybe a half a second to actually go and review it. So a waste of a timeout right then and there. And, they could have used those timeouts later in the game. It all worked out, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, to go from never using a timeout in the first half to being like, oh, my God, I have to use all of them right now. Right. It was just uh, insane to me. But let's talk about someone else that uh, that Todd Bowles loves so much, and that's Devin White. Thank you to David Van Dunn for the $1.99 Super Chat. He says, I'm assuming Devin White is done, right? Um, is he done for this season? Does he want to be done for this season? I think maybe is the is the better question. Yeah. Um, I, I think like we saw it yesterday. The Bucks better off without Devin White. They really are. Yeah, they are. And, and now, Matt and, and Peter people, this is kind of damning. It's not just J.J. Russell who's better than Devin White. It's now also K.J. Britt. In back-to-back <laughs> weeks, we've seen better, steady, play from the middle linebacker position than we have in the last two months with Devin White. I'm not saying Devin White hasn't played good football this year. You go back and look at that Minnesota game. Week one, Matt, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was absolutely awesome. And you're thinking, wow, man, this guy's in for a contract year. You know, and then um, Antoine Winfield Jr. says, hold my beer. You know, like, I'm going to show you what a contract year looks like. But (laughs) but it, it just went downhill from there for Devin White. And you know, I, I I don't know what the reasoning is of why the poor and consistent play has been such a factor, but I mean, KJ Britt this week, JJ Russell the next week, and what I learned uh, last night was the reason why Cervantes Dennis didn't get the start as we thought that he was going to mm-hmm. is simply because the coaches feel that Cervantes Dennis is better at the Mo linebacker spot, which is the gotcha. Levante David role. Uh, Levante plays the Mo linebacker and. The Mike linebackers played by Devin. Okay, J. Uh, Britt has been Devin's understudy for the past three years. He mm-hmm. he is he's not a Mo linebacker. He is a Mike linebacker. That's Couple the guy that makes the call. Guys. Yeah, exactly. He's he's the guy that that is kind of like that run stuffing guy between the tackles. Where if you're going to be covering tight ends, that's going to kind of be the the Mo uh, linebacker, the more of your coverage linebacker. Now, there's times where. Bulls will spot drop both of those guys. We've seen that plenty of, of time this upper, or plenty of times this year. So, um, but that's the reason why is they just feel at this stage of the game, Dennis is a better Mo linebacker, and that's why he got the start over Britt uh, and over in JJ Indy. Russell in Indy. Exactly. Yeah. So that explains that Levante David was out, so therefore uh, Sprosty Dennis was yep. in. Then against Carolina, they were both injured, Devin White and uh, Levante David. So th- that's why you saw both. So, yeah, yeah, it definitely does explain a lot more. And, again, like, you don't want it for the whole season, but in in a couple of moments, a couple of games, 
you at least feel okay about KJ Britt being in there. I don't think yeah. he's like an all-time difference maker. Uh, as Joel says, seven likes, guys. We can do better. Yeah, please right. like and uh, that's right. This is a victory right. Monday. We want two thumbs up. So give yes. us likes. Uh, I tell you what, it, just a little little side note here. The more likes we get in our videos, and we typically have thousands of of views on our Peter Report podcast. Thanks to you guys, Peter yeah. people. We're up to over twelve thousand six hundred. We're closing in on thirteen thousand uh, subscribers. So you guys are awesome. We appreciate that. But if you take the time to watch this video, either live or in the, the archive podcast form on Peter Report TV, our YouTube channel, if you give us a like and leave a comment, it shoots up our video in the YouTube algorithm. And so it, it just it helps us big time reach more Peter people. So you guys are absolutely awesome. And we love you guys for that. Yeah, we do. Really appreciate everybody. That's why we're going to do roll call in a little bit and uh, interact with everybody a little bit more. But we also love interacting with Super Chats that we get. Uh, so thank you to Mark Fisher, Redfish for the four ninety nine Super Chat, who says, SR, double M, first, eat crow on your game picks, LOL. Second, final nail in the coffin for Joe Tryon Shoyanka, letting the quarterback beat you for touchdown uh, on the edge for, for a score. Uh, with the season on the line, exclamation point and a question mark um to the first part yeah my pick was wrong uh if you look at all of our pewter uh predictions each game uh and for the whole season none of us are undefeated so we, none of us have yeah. uh picked every single game correctly hey i'm okay. happy to be wrong for you guys i am i'm very happy, happy to take that. very yeah. happy to be wrong uh, we were actually saying this yesterday as well that uh yesterday was probably one of the more most mixed bag that we had of choosing either the box or the opponent so yeah i do like when we are at odds with uh with uh who we yeah. pick but you and i actually both picked the, the we Falcons did. to win. and we're both wrong and, yeah, and we're both wrong and Ty Bowles is happy all the bucks are happy you pewter people are happy so that's fine with us happy uh, to be and wrong. Then jts we talked about it yesterday i mean just a horrible play <laughs> i mean he's yeah. right there he's right out of bounds you can go and just knock Desmond Ritter out of bounds, and, and you're good to go. Yaya, Dia, Yaya Diaby is quickly, quickly uh, uh, moving up the ranks at edge rushers. Daniel King says, Devin White, nobody can let a quarterback score better than me. JTS, hold my beer. Yeah, I mean, Devin yeah. White had the snafu, if you will, in the indie game against uh, the Colts when Gardner Minshew yeah. ran it in, and then uh, – yeah, Ritter did it against JTS. JTS will not be here uh, when his contract is yeah. is, uh, is done. He, yeah, he he may not even as first round yeah, pick. He may not even be on the roster next year. Um, I mean, he's not going to be a starter, that's for sure. But he's not going to be. Uh, he's going to have to earn a spot in the fifty three next year, I believe. Um, and we've seen this team cut first round picks before. Matt, remember Vernon Hargraves was cut in season after the Arizona yeah. game, right? So we've seen Jason Light. Um, you know, and that was, that was at Bruce Arians uh, request as well. But Jason's like, okay, coach, if that's what you want. You got it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, th that, that was a very soft play by JTS who actually read the play. Perfect. Had outside leverage. I mean, yeah. you could tell, you could tell that they had coached that play up in practice, right. That they had. And, and, and I think that's why Todd Bowles was beside himself on that was because this, this wasn't like, oh, this is a surprise quarterback, you know, option here from. Desmond Ritter. They saw that on film. They practiced it perfectly. Uh, JTS was in perfect position, had outside leverage. He's the most athletic 
outside linebacker, you know, not named yeah. Yaya Diaby. I mean, it just that's the they're real. And and he let him break contain and then beat him to the outside. And then he didn't even push him out of bounds. It's right it just, there. It was an incredibly soft play and embarrassing, really. It just was. Another thing that was embarrassing was the uh, pass interference call on Zion McCollum. Yeah. As, uh, Scotty J, thank you for the $1.99 super chat, says Zion played great. Bogus defense pass interference let yeah. Atlanta get points. I'm in full agreement with you, Scotty J. Um, yeah. Bad penalty. And I said it yesterday. In a game where the refs swallowed the whistle, really did not throw too many penalties. There were two penalties that were absolutely backbreaking for yeah. the Bucs. Now, they ended up winning, so whatever. But the uh, the penalty on Carlton Davis when Antoine Winfield Jr. had the interception. Yeah. Um, and then the, 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 the one on Zion was just absolutely egregious. I mean, Zion was yeah. already at that point balling out. He was covering uh, Scotty Miller a ton. Made some plays. Almost mossed, I believe, Drake London, uh, who you also see in this photo, where uh, he almost came up with a pick. Yeah. Uh, on the play. I love the progression that we've seen from Zion McCollum. Um, he's a great guy to talk to super fun and super fun to watch as well, too. Yeah. Cause he's uh week in and week out. He's just getting better. And he's, you can see why he's going to be a future starter for this team. I agree. Remember when he was gun shy as a tackler, right? He was, yes. was just a really bad tackler last year and he's really improved that game or that part of his game. And, and then he's, he's got an instance where he's, it probably should have had that pick on the deep ball to Scotty Miller. Yeah. And uh, he is only a matter of time before this guy starts getting picks because he's got good hands. And I think sometimes it's like when you're going for the pick, right. And we, we saw this Anton, Anton Winfield. Sometimes you get so focused on the ball that you forget about the guy that's trying to catch yes. the ball. Right. <laughs> and I think that Zion is still has a little bit of conservativeness and hesitancy in his play just because, he knows he's getting some extended playing time right now due to injury. He's not a starter, right? So he doesn't want to get yanked because of giving up a big play or whatnot. I think he's close to getting that out of his system, and he's starting to pull the trigger more as, as a cornerback with these pass breakups. Pass breakups lead to interceptions, unless your name is yep. Dean Carlton Davis. Yeah. Hey, Carlton's made a couple. Carlton's made a couple. I say that in jest. But the thing is with, with Zion, he's, he's getting better, and – the coaches will have a real interesting decision to keep this guy in the starting lineup or if they they want to go back to Jamel Dean as a starter. I would keep Zion in there because I think they're yeah. coming after this kid. Uh, absolutely in agreement with you. By the way, thank you to Emily Compa for this uh, for this comment. Says, uh, hi, everyone. Hi, Matt. Scott, uh, win is a win. Let's just get better as we go from here, please. Great game pod yesterday, Matt. Yeah, thank you so much, Emily. Uh, always appreciate your comments. You're always interacting uh, in, in the chat as well. So I appreciate all your support of pewterreport.com. We're going to interact with everybody in the comments right now as well because it is 420. That means it is time <clears throat> excuse me, for roll call, baby. Tell us where you are watching from, Peter People. Scott's about to go on a little bit of a rant talking about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in the meantime, like MJ just started doing, Put in the comments where you guys are uh, watching from, and I'll throw it on the screen, and uh, we'll all learn a little bit more about each other during roll call. Yep. Well, listen, uh, Rashad White, he really needed to put on the Superman cape yesterday, and he did. I mean, this kid 
has really stepped up over the last couple of weeks now. I wrote about it in my SR's Fab Five, made me look good, but I had a little bit of foresight that this was coming. You looked at David Anyamata being out, Grady Jarrett being out, and, and they lost uh, Street, their third defensive tackle, in-game. So it was really kind of a field day for Rashad White and that offensive line in in the, the fourth quarter. To me, it, it's, a, it's a situation where when you look at the fact that Dave Canales and this this uh, Tampa Bay offense and, and offensive line, they ran the ball for just over 70 yards on 22 carries and was 74 yards on 22 carries in the first three quarters. And then they stuck with the running game, which I know did not make a lot of people happy, right? But it allowed Rashad White and this offensive line to take over in the fourth quarter. And it was a gamble that paid off. Uh, Dave Canales went from being Dave Canales to Dave Cajones. And he and uh, and, and, the, and the Buccaneers went in there and, and got this running game going. They ran for 71 yards on 12 carries. And they did it with some plays that I outlined in today's two-point conversion. I'm going to drop that in the chat for you guys to read after the show. But uh, um, th- there was a play called Toe, which is T-O-W. It's, it's tackle on will. And this is a, a play that that has uh, – it's either Tristan Wirfs pulling from left to right or in the case of the Buccaneers three times, I believe, in the in the fourth quarter, Lou Gedeke pulling from right to left. And we actually have a picture of one of these, these uh, plays here. Uh, didn't have any time to clip video to put them in there, but they're also in that article. Put them up on Twitter. But you can see here's Gedeke, right, pulling inside – that left guard spot and just paving the way for Rashad white and the Tampa Bay ground game is really gaining some steam right now. When you look at the fact that Rashad white has gone over hundred yards rushing in two out of the last three games and then had 84 yards last week, this ground game is, is just stepping up at the right time. Now I, I'm not forecasting the Buccaneers necessarily winning at green Bay, on Sunday, we'll see how the week rolls with injuries, et cetera. But I'm not saying that they're not going to win, right? I'm not I'm not going to sit there and say they're automatically going to lose just because the Packers have been so dominant under Matt LaFleur up there in the month of December. But if you look at what the success has been for the Buccaneers lately, it's been a balanced offense with the ground game clicking. And 125 yards didn't get the job done in Indianapolis, but it helped set the table for 128 yards on the ground in the win over the Panthers. And now the Buccaneers had their best rushing day, 148 yards on the ground. They outrushed the Atlanta Falcons, 148 to 96. That's not easy. That's hard. And what else is not easy is having the guts and the gumption to stick to the running game, even though it's averaging just over – three yards of carry in the first three quarters. But lo and behold, they stuck with it, and it worked. At least it worked yesterday against a team that didn't have its defensive tackles. We'll see if it can work against the Green Bay Packers. But Rashad White in this ground game, it's going right now. It's got to continue to go if this team is going to beat the Packers and if it's going to end up leading to a possible three-peat for the Buccaneers as NFC South champions. So, Dave Cajones, <laughs> it's maddening sometimes to see your play calling uh, when you decide to keep running the ball. But as you have said in press conferences before, the whole goal is to see those 
those gains of two and three yards in the first three quarters turn into gains of five and six yards in the fourth quarter. That's exactly what happened. Tampa Bay on their 12 carries for 71 yards in the fourth quarter averaged 5.9 yards per carry. Some of that was, was Chase Edmonds, who had a couple of nice runs yesterday in the fourth quarter. Matter of fact, he had two of those runs that totaled, uh, I believe, 22 yards. A lot of it was Rashad White with 39 yards rushing. And again, having to wear that Superman cape because uh, Mike Evans was shut down yesterday quite effectively by Atlanta's defense. Yeah, he really was. Um, but Dave Canales, as he said, like he doesn't lie to us. Other coaches have <laughs> lied to us before, and that's kind of that kind of goes with coach speed. Yeah. He said, I love running the football. He really does. I, yeah. I implore everybody to love something as much as Dave Canales loves running the football in yeah. any situation. Even with under a minute to go, he's still running the damn football. That's yeah. how much he cares about running the football. And uh, we care about you, the Peter people. We love the Peter people. And again, had a fantastic turnout for uh, Roll Call today. Uh, so I'm going to give a couple shout-outs to some people in Florida, some people in the U.S., and uh, international as well, uh, starting out with Sacktown from Wichita, Kansas. So we got there you some, go. Uh, Shockers people. territory. Yeah. Uh, Shout-out to Tom, who is secretly watching at work. You're super Shh. safe with us, Tom. Don't tell me. Uh, watching from Gainesville, Florida. Appreciate you, Tom. Uh, Sean Drippin' Buck Brown, watching from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I believe Rex Ryan was born in uh, – Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and I believe The Rock's character in Ballers was from there as well. So, mm-hmm. random fact for you. Got some uh, California fans watching. Cali Buck J watching from San Diego. Shout out to 619. Ray Mysterio. Kelly Dwight Fields in uh, Ocala. And then a couple international uh, PCZ from Tim Timendorfer Strand, Germany, but watching from Germany, which is super cool. Dean yeah. is watching from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We got uh, Stockholm, Sweden from oh, nice. Rule Dory and uh, Valentine A. Watching from France. Uh, I don't know that town. Brive La Galliarde. Watching from France. Super, super cool. And uh, DJ from the 813 right here in Tampa. There you go. And this one I just thought was funny. Joel watching from <laughs> planet Earth. <laughs> That's awesome. Have, maybe it. one day we'll get a fan watching the podcast from like Mars or the yeah. moon or something like that. Exactly. That would be super, super cool. Every but, once uh, in a while we have Xi Jinping, the communist uh, dictator yes. from China. Watch. Yeah, so watching, we appreciate yeah. everybody from uh, around uh, the globe watching. We have a couple late stragglers here. Get them in. Dave Weber uh, from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and uh, Aaron Salmon from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Champa Bay Beast from Seminole, Florida. So we appreciate everybody. And also, too, from Justin Montague from Safety Harbor. So thank you all for for um, for checking in with us yeah. during Roll Call. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, we got a couple more Super Chats to get to as well. But first, let's talk about our great friends over at Celsius Energy Drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Check out all the great flavors they have, including the Cosmic Vibe, which is their newest flavor. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Arctic Vibe, which you can see on the screen there. But there's so many great, great flavors to choose from, from the peach mango to the sparkling orange to the sparkling watermelon. Uh, strawberry lemonade, I'm a huge fan of, too. So, cool thing about Celsius, there's no sugar. There's no uh, post-energy drink crash or jitters that you may get with another product out there. So, if you need to know where to find Celsius... 
go to the store locator on their website, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could pick one up. Might be your Walmart, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store, Target, or might just be your bodega. Bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you're like, wow, I really enjoy this. I want to get it in bulk. You can get it in bulk. And I recommend getting that variety pack. It's a variety of spice of life. You can have so many awesome flavors of Celsius. You can have it sent to uh, your place of residence whenever you want. You're in charge. Um, yeah, so it could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly. You set it up. Totally your call. You're the captain. And, uh, yeah, go over to Amazon. Click on the subscribe and save. That's how you can get it in bulk. And just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of PeterReport.com. Make Celsius your number one pick. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting. I We did the the pewter or the, I should say the bucks mailbag this yeah. morning. Right. And I put out the call last night after the game, bring your questions. I'll answer them tomorrow. And most of the response that I got, the questions I had to choose from, it was kind of crazy because um, a lot of, whoops, hang on here. Let me get to it. Here we go. A lot of, uh, of Buccaneer fans were, were kind of negative about the win yesterday, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it says, you know, Bowles has killed the fan base and excitement for the team when so many are mad at, at a W. And that was kind of the case. And I didn't want to seem like a, you know, a, a negative Ned or Noel or, you know, Nancy, Noel, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy yeah. But um, the, the questions that I had to answer were the ones I had to answer. And they were all kind of like, so does this still mean Todd Bowles is not getting fired? I mean, just just things like that. And, and it is kind of crazy how Buck fans, there is a sense of realism, I think, in the fan base, right? Where they, they realize this team, I mean, unless it just shows massive improvement over the next month, right? It's not going to to win in the playoffs. And and maybe it maybe you you win a home game against a team that's banged up or whatever here, and maybe you've improved enough to do that. But can this team win at San Francisco? No, they they showed that they couldn't do that. Can this team, you know, go to Dallas and win? I don't think that they can. Um you know, and, and can they beat the Eagles in Philly? No, I don't don't believe that's the case either. So I think fans realize that that the coaching on this team, and we talked about it at the beginning of the show, Matt, with having nine defensive players out there for a goal line package, right? Some of those play calls, as much as as I praise Dave Canales for his fourth quarter stick uh, you know, in, in the run game. Um, if you looked on our, our X feed, we were bashing the guy in the first half, 85 yeah. yards of offense, right? Mm-hmm. One target for Mike Evans, no catches at halftime. So, I mean, it, as, as good as Dave Canales was in the fourth quarter, kind of like Baker Mayfield. Okay, great game-winning drive, but, man, the first three quarters looked really, really bad. And until they get some of these, these uh, situations ironed out from the coaching standpoint, the play-calling standpoint, the game management standpoint, they're just not going to be successful in the postseason. So I think a lot of fans have come to that realization and just say, okay, let's just play this out and get to the offseason and start the rebuild or the reboot or the reload or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of flaws with, as you said, situational things week in and week out. And that's a Todd Bowles thing. I mean, you could you could point at whoever. That comes down to Todd Bowles. And 
it is hard to wonder like how much more this team can improve. Now, offensively, I think they would improve next season because Dave Canales will just have more experience as a play caller. But does yeah. that mean like, oh, he should definitely be back next season? Yeah. I don't necessarily think so, especially if they're going to do a complete rebuild, which is uh, this question right. slash comment from uh, Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse, with this $5 Super Chat. Thank you very much, Paul. He says, if we go full rebuild, new head coach and rookie quarterback, does Evans bail? <clears throat> if he does bail, what do Bucks fans have to look forward to in 2024? So, yeah, I, I think it's very interesting when it comes to Mike and his free agency. Clearly, Mike wants to get one more big payday, which he is well within his right to do. Yeah. Um, but I also think, and because we've been around Mike for so long now, and I think Bucks fans have a pretty good idea of who Mike is as a person, I think Mike just wants like the best situation. He wants to win, I think, yeah. even more than getting that mega, mega payday. So. Yeah. Would Mike take a little bit of less money to go to a team like the Cowboys where he'd be in his home state of Texas? Clearly, the Cowboys are stacked. They just whooped the Eagles last right. night on Sunday Night Football. Does he want to go to the Texans where he can play with C.J. Stroud where you have a, um, you know, you have a set quarterback that's going to be there for, you know, the next 10 years. Mike won't be playing in 10 years. Actually, right. never say never. Um, I don't think I don't think he will. Yeah. Um, or, you know, does he just want to go to a team that has a great, like, what if Mike is like, you know what? I just want to go to the 49ers because I know they're going to win and I want to yeah. play in the playoffs. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to do that. Yeah. Um, or does he want to go to the Jets and play with Aaron Rodgers next season or something like that? It really comes down to just comfort, convenience, and winning for Mike Evans. Um, so to answer this, Bringing in a rookie quarterback, I don't know if Mike's going to be in love with that. He's worked with a number of quarterbacks. I yep. think it could help his Hall of Fame resume of like, see, I got a thousand yards with this guy as my quarterback yep. as well um, with everyone else. Really only Mike can answer that. Um, and if he leaves, what, what would they uh, be able to look forward to? Well, you would have a rookie quarterback, so you, yeah. you would have that. The, the Buccaneers, if they're going to go with a rookie quarterback next year in the draft, they most certainly would want to have Mike Evans, right? Because – there's yep. nothing that helps a rookie quarterback uh, except for a really good offensive line better than having a stud number one receiver to throw to, right? So uh, now I, we've talked about it before. We've, we've floated this. I'll float it again. Todd Munkin, former Bucks wide receivers coach, yep. former Bucks offensive coordinator. Uh, he had a lot of su success with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin uh, working under Dirk Cutter and – he would be at the top of my list if, if Todd Bowles gets fired, if they're going to go with an offensive-minded coach. He is Baltimore's offensive play caller as well as their offensive coordinator, and they are putting up points left and right. He's done it with the pocket quarterbacks. You know, He developed a guy, uh, a walk-on, Stetson Bennett at Georgia, yeah. uh, and helped win two national championships with the Bulldogs. He's done it with a mobile Dual threat quarterback like Lamar Jackson now in um, in Baltimore, and he's also coached a guy by the name of Baker Mayfield in yeah. Cleveland in 2019. So really, some interesting connections there with with Todd Munkin. Um, I know that that the Blazers uh, have an affinity for him, Jason Light. You know, I th thought of him as a, as a good coach when he was down here. He's going to be one of the hotter names uh, on on the 
the market. I know everyone's saying Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson is a, is a really good offensive coordinator, but you can't just hire a really good coordinator because sometimes those good coordinators just aren't proper good head coach material because you really, you have to be a leader of men, not just a caller of plays to be successful. You know, Dirk Cutter was, was a good offensive coordinator under uh, Lovey Smith, but I don't think he was a, a great head coach. Mm. I think we're seeing that kind of with Todd Bowles, right? Really good defensive coordinator, helped the Buccaneers win a Super Bowl, but I mean, he's still 500 uh, in both of his seasons in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I remember a time when Bowles was the D.C. at the Cardinals before he even had a stint with the Jets, and everyone was like, that's a future head coach right there. Yeah. Look out. He's one of the best minds in football. And yeah, he has a great defensive mind, but I, as we are learning, not the best head coach uh, yeah. by any means. Now, he does keep the locker room together, which I think he, he does a lot of credit for yeah. because this team could have easily folded and collapsed many weeks ago. No doubt. Uh, but they have stayed together. Uh, shout out to Rev Fish for this $1.99 Super Chat. Thank you very much. Mark Fisher says, start Zion McCollum at nickel. Not an expert on defensive back play. Yeah. So Zion is just he's better as an outside corner. Right. That's that is what he is best at. That's what he's trained to do. Yeah. Um I know the Bucks haven't gotten the best play out of Christian Isian since he really burst onto the scene in the first couple of weeks. Um, I don't know that Zion at corner is, is the answer. I understand like wanting to get him on the field more. Yeah. But I don't think they should put a square peg into a round hole. I'm with you. Oh, he's good at this. Put him yeah. on the field. Usually you don't see six one, six two corners inside because you need that short area quickness because you have to cover so much field in the middle of of the, the field. Whereas if you're an outside corner, you know, you get the sideline as your best friend. That's that twelfth defender essentially, right? Uh not not that you can't go across the field on a crossing route or you know, a deep post or something in man coverage, but Zion, his build, the way he is, he's more of an outside corner. Uh, appreciate Mason DeBoard for this $5 super chat, um, who says, Antoine Winfield Jr. has been an absolute savage. <clears throat> Any concern, he might take a step back with the departure of Todd Bowles. New scheme, less blitzing, etc. Uh, this is a really great question. Yeah. I think Zion is, is so talented. You mean Antoine. Right? Oh, yeah, sorry, Antoine. I was uh, thinking about the... Uh, the last super chat we got. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. is so talented as a player that it's one of those like you can kind of play him in any type of defense and you'll yeah. probably get similar results. Now, yeah. Todd Bowles does love to blitz. He will yeah. blitz until the cows come home. And Antoine has been a, a big time benefactor of that because half the plays he makes is when he's getting after the quarterback. By the way, Desmond Ritter must absolutely hate Antoine Winfield Jr. because yes. he stripped him a thousand times in the first game uh, in Tampa between the Bucks and the Falcons. Then he got the strip sack on him again uh, in yesterday's game. He must have nightmares of Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, yeah, it would depend on the defensive play caller that comes in. What are their tendencies? Do they like to blitz often? Do they not like to blitz as much and try to get home with with the with the guys up front? Um, that would have an impact on at least on his sack numbers um, yeah. in that total. But I also think the defensive coordinator that comes in would be smart enough to look at the tape and say, huh, when Antoine Winfield Jr. goes after the quarterback, typically good things happen. So yeah. let's continue to do that. 
Uh, I'm with you, Matt. And and I think, too, if you look at Rondé Barber, and I think they're very similar players. They're just playmakers. They're instinctive, right? They have a knack for getting the ball out, whether it's a forced fumble, whether it's a sack, whether it's it's an interception, right? They just have a knack for that. And, you know, Rondé from 1997 through 2008 played in Monty Kiffin's scheme. Yeah. Under two different regimes, Tony Dungy and John Gruden, but same defense, right? Same Monty Kiffin style. Up until 2009, where at the age of 34, Rondé was playing under Raheem Morris, right? And and so uh, they had Jim Johnson there for a minute, and then Raheem took over play-calling duties. But for for three seasons under Raheem, if you look at, at Rondé, still had two sacks in 2009, one sack in 2010, one sack in 2011, and then one sack playing under Greg Schiano in 2012 right then you yeah. throw in the interceptions there and ronnie did not have an interception in his first year under raheem but then got back to normal with three picks in 2010 three picks in 2011 mm-hmm. and then four picks as a free safety playing for greg Schiano. so great players can transcend any coaching system any coaching scheme that you put out there i i don't see any problem with with any scheme that that antoine winfield jr plays if you don't do those things if you don't blitz him you're just stupid as a coach but <laughs> but Antoine's going to tell you he's going to say coach here's my highlight reel and yeah, see how yeah. it gets to the quarterback and force fumbles you're going to want this right yeah that's what I thought very well said Scott and a uh, great comparison as well with the uh, Hall of Famer Ronte Barber yeah uh, let's get to the super chat from Corey Richardson thank you Corey for the 999 super chat who says no one wants to talk about how Jason Light <clears throat> second year players are doing absolutely amazing right now Luke Gedeke and Rashad White playing at AP levels. Uh, best punter in the league with uh, Jake Marta. Yeah. Co-keeped, fan favorite, Logan and Zion, big minutes. Uh, yeah, I think this is, a, this is a great point. You know? It is a great uh, point. Luke Gedeke yeah. at, le- at uh, right tackle has been fantastic, and that was not like a guarantee that it was going right. to work out, um, <laughs> and, and that was fantastic. That was like cross your fingers and hope. Yeah. Zion, uh, we talked about him a lot. The the big steps that he's taken, most notably with tackling, uh, yeah. has been great. Kamara's always been great. Um, Logan and uh, Rashad White, you know, has really picked it up. Logan Hall and Keith, like I get that Logan Hall's playing. I, I definitely don't think that that's been a uh, slam dunk <clears throat> by any means. But again, yeah. in every draft, you're not going to hit on every single pick that you make. So right. there is a all the names that we just listed. There are enough names to say that was pretty successful right now. And uh, a lot of these second-year players really took a big-time step forward. So, yeah, um, yeah, big-time, big-time kudos to Jason Light for that. As Joel says, get a key uh, for most improved. It's funny, uh, Dave Canales got asked during the week uh, who he would say was most improved, obviously just talking about the offense. And he said Cody Mapp. So, uh, Jason Light off to a solid start with this year's draft class. As well, um, we got a five dollar super chat from Meets McGee. Thank you, Meets. Who says, Scott, we're about the same age. You watched this game for at least 40 years, you have the pulse on this organization. You know that a change is coming. Okay, is that a question or is that a statement? <laughs> hey, it's a super chat, so uh, yeah, um. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel a change is coming. Uh, I, I think Todd Bowles needs to either either win win out, right? If you get to 10 wins, and here's, here's the thing. If you get to 10 wins, that means you win the next four games, right? Because you're at six wins now. That would mean that Todd Bowles has won six games in a row because he's already won two. 
If he wins four more, gets to 10 wins, then he can look the Glaziers and, and Jason Light in the eye and say, hey, we won eight games last year. We won 10 this year, right? That's a two-game improvement, double-digit wins. And by the way, we won the division again, right? So um, I deserve to stick around. 10 wins might allow the Glaziers to stomach a home playoff loss, depending on who it is and how much it is. If it's lopsided, you know, all, all bets are off. But if that doesn't happen, if if he doesn't win the NFC South and doesn't make the playoffs as a wild card and doesn't win in the in the playoffs, I, I think Todd Bowles probably gets replaced. If this team um, gets in, I think they've got to win that that home playoff game. I think that's that would be the measure of progress that the Glaciers would need to see. And and I, I let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the Bucks are going to win out. But if they did win either. out, uh, yeah, that would put them at ten and seven. That would also put them on a six-game winning streak because they've won yeah. two in a row. And if they win the next four, it's tough to fire a coach after a six-game winning streak. Yes, yeah, uh, that's no, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you know, if, if Bulls, if Bulls wants to stay here, and I know he does, you might have to do that. I mean, three and one down the stretch would get you to, would get you to uh, nine, uh, nine wins, right? Yeah. But but then it's like okay, you still got to win that that home playoff game to really show some improvement because you and won the probably, NFC South last year. Yeah, and they're probably playing the Eagles because um, the Cowboys beat the Eagles last yeah. night. Uh, so whoever doesn't win that division is going to be the top wild card, which means they're coming to yeah. the NFC South. And we kind of already seen that story uh, with yeah. the Eagles beating up on the Bucks. Seen that movie? Now. We know how it ends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you to Bucks Basin for this five dollars super chat. Who says Bowles is lucky we won yesterday because that play where he had. Nine defensive players on the goal line and did not call a timeout was a fireable choice. Yeah, I mean, we started the show with this, but if they lose this game, yeah, this is the number one story clearly in Tampa Bay. Might yeah. even make the rounds nationally that the right. Bucks had nine players on the field and nothing was done about it. And uh, yeah, I think that came off the heels of because Bijan had the big like pop pass play that was like right. a thirty yard run and they actually it was a run and then they made it yeah. a. I mean, it, that wasn't the game winning touchdown, right? That was Desmond yeah. Ritter's that, yes. that was the going to be the go ahead touchdown. Uh, in that case, Joe Tryon showing it would have been the absolute goat because he would have had a chance to make that tackle. But so it turns out they won. So Todd Bowles and the Bucks live to fight again, and and they'll be fighting for. Um, you know, to, to maintain the NFC South lead because it's going to be a tough, uh, tough sledding, uh, pun intended, up there in Green Bay. I don't think it's supposed to snow, but it's supposed to be in the 40s this week. But the thing is, is, is uh, the Bucks play the Packers. The Falcons will will be traveling to Carolina to play the one win Panthers. That that smells like an Atlanta win right there. That that's automatically that combined with the Bucks loss will put the Falcons back in the NFC uh, South lead by a game. And then you've got the New Orleans Saints, which are hosting the New York Giants. That also smells like a win. So uh, yeah. enjoy this lead while you can. Doesn't mean the Bucks can't recapture it in a week or two, yeah. but uh, they're going to need some help to get some losses from Atlanta and, and New Orleans down the stretch. And they're going to have to probably go, what, what Matt, three and one, you think, down the stretch at least to win this division? Yeah. I would say so. Now, the, the good thing in that is that they do play the Saints, so they can kind of control yeah, their own Yeah, that's destiny. a double whammy game right, right yeah, there. Yeah, double whammy right. game. 
And helpful that they already beat the Saints one time, so the most that the Saints can do is yeah. tie up the uh, season series versus right. the Bucks. Uh, and Todd Bowles is undefeated, beating the Saints. He's three and zero. He's got the voodoo on the Saints, so <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. He has mastered uh, the art of beating the Saints. We'll see if he can uh, sweep the Saints for a second week uh, or second year in a row. But when it comes to mastering the real estate market, you're going to want Eric Gross in your team. That's right. It takes a full team effort in football to win. And it also takes a full team effort in real estate to win. So why don't you draft or sign or trade for Eric Gross and let him be your pro bowler when it comes to real estate. He has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market. So he's got experience, the kind of experience that you're going to need in any type of situation. As you know, Eric is an avid Peter Report reader. He's also a Tampa native, so he knows this area extremely well. His dad was stationed at the McDilla Air Force Base. And with he and his team, their market knowledge is top-notch. Their communication is top-notch. Their commitment to excellence is top-notch, and that's what sets them apart. With their strong team of vendors, and they've got a network of over 85,000 agents as part of the EXP Realty Group, the Eric Gross Group will turn your dream of buying or selling a home into reality. Here's what I want you to do. Go to the website, housesinfla.com. Even if you don't maybe think about buying a new home or selling yours, just go there. Go to housesinfla.com. Check it out. It's got a great layout. You can check out their inventory. And maybe it can help you gauge what your home value is worth, right? So it's a great thing to do. Go to housesinfla.com and give Eric a call at 513-907-4271. He wants to meet you and get to know you and help you buy or sell a home. So no matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. Once again, visit housesinfla.com. Seeing a uh, difference of opinion from a couple of Peter people uh, okay. on who's going to win the NFC South. Callie Bucks says, Bucks are going 3-1 and one and don't need any help because of it. Uh, first name greatest, uh, I believe his name was Tony uh, at one point on these comments, said Falcons winning the division and getting destroyed by Philly. MH, though, says the Saints will beat us <laughs> for the division. And Bat W says, if we ball out and win all our last games, my call is that Todd Bowles keeps his job. And uh, Callie Bucks followed up with Saints are getting beat. Saints are ready to implode. Uh, one thing that is consistent with the NFC South is nobody wants to stay atop of the division. Right. So <laughs> it would not be surprising – Let's face it, the Bucs, we kind of already talked about them playing yeah. the Packers this week and uh, all the other opponents in the NFC South. The Bucs have the toughest opponent this week. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see uh, We'll see what happens tonight. The Packers, yeah. do, there's two Monday night football games on tonight, which yeah. is cool. I'm always in favor of more football. Right. But kind of random that they're just doing it in week 14, having two Monday night yeah. football games. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I'm with you. I looked at that, too, on the schedule. I'm like, huh, they're not even staggered. They start at the same time, too. I guess yeah. one's on ABC, one's on ESPN. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, the, the crazy thing, too, is is Todd Bowles. Let's say Todd Bowles and the Bucks win the division, Matt. Right? I think on, on Black um, Monday. Monday, you're going to see Dennis Allen get fired in New Orleans, and you're going to see Arthur Smith get fired in Atlanta, right? So so that would be three out of the four head coaches gone in the NFC South. Uh, I think the other two coaches, whoever doesn't win the South, those coaches get fired. But here's the crazy thing. If Todd Bowles at, let's say, nine wins, right, nine and eight, gets into the playoffs, they get 
smashed at home, and they lose. I think Todd Bowles could possibly get fired as well. We've talked about that. That would mean all four coaches in the NFC South are hitting the do-over button uh, with with their respective teams hitting the do-over button and and firing all four. I don't think that's ever happened before where every coach in a division has been fired in the same year. But it could happen this year. And I think at the very least, Matt, you're going to see three out of four get fired this year. I wonder, let's just say all four coaches, well, one's already fired. So let's say the other three coaches get fired. They're clearly all going to need to hire head coaches. Yeah. Which team is most appealing for a potential head coach to come to, uh, to come to and coach? I don't yeah. think it's the Panthers. No. Um, <laughs> Not with, so, that Not with yeah. David Tepper. Exactly. So I don't think it's the Panthers. I don't think it's the Saints either because you're essentially saying I have to team up with Derek Carr and you have a little bit of an older defense and – like Kamara's getting up there in age. Michael Thomas obviously is very washed. You really just have Chris Olave there as like your top weapon. Yeah. I kind of think Atlanta would be my first pick if I'm a head coach. And I'm like, I have to go to the NFC South. It would be between the Bucs and the Falcons. I think yeah, I would I lean agree. towards Atlanta a little bit because they just I feel it feels like they just need to figure out yeah. who's gonna play quarterback for them, where the Bucs have like a lot of other problems, yeah. including Play you know, I tell you what, I, I I think, and I'm I'm really not trying to sound like a homer here, or you know, even like a a Jason Light ass kiss. But to me, I think Tampa Bay because they have won a Super Bowl. Actually, they've won two. They're the only yeah. team in the divisions won two. Jason Light was res- largely responsible for the most recent one, of course, in 2020. He hired Bruce Arians right yeah. in 2019. He acquired Tom Brady in 2020 as a free agent because he had through the draft those previous years built an offensive line that was Super Bowl ready had enough pieces in place on defense that was Super Bowl ready and and then you've got uh, the weapons right I mean Jason can draft receivers right drafted yeah. two Pro Bowl receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin right so that attracted Brady down here so if I'm a head coach I'm looking at who's the guy that's going to help me cook the meal, right? Who's going to help me grocery shopping and get the ingredients that I need to bake with. And I'm looking at Jason Light's track record of the draft and man, it's up there. He's drafted. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better when you draft Tristan Werps in the first round and Antoine Winfield Jr. In yep. the second, then you look at, is this a general manager that can manage the cap? And he and Mike Greenberg is assistant general manager are a dynamic one-two punch when it comes to cap management, right? They're going through, you know, the the doldrums this year, but they're going to get out of it really quick because they they kind of paid the, the credit card bill this year mm-hmm. instead of kicking the can down the road. And the last but not least, Matt, is Jason Light really doesn't lose free agents in free agency. He re-signs a lot of his guys. They want to come back yep. and play for the Glaziers, play for Jason Light, play for the head coaches that he employs. Play for this town, this team, and no state and, income tax. And no state income tax. Exactly right. So to me, I think you look at that too and say, "This guy wants to hire me." And man, I look at his track record, and in the draft, free agency, trades. Right. I mean, this is a guy that that found Shaq Barrett off the street for four yeah. million dollars in a one-year prove-it deal. He's traded for Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, there's a lot to like here in Tampa. So I think the general manager role 
with Tampa Bay that, and I'm with you because I think it would come down to Atlanta and Tampa Bay. But to me, Jason Light, his track record, his front office, and salary cap wizard Mike Greenberg that that steers me to Tampa Bay if I'm a head coach. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very close. It's neck and neck, and that's uh, a great example as to why the Bucks would be a, a really good pick. And we got yeah. a 1999 super chat. Ooh, thank you, John. Josh, or Josh. Thank yeah. you very much to Josh, who says, "I don't understand." 70 million over the cap, improving run game, Baker, F and Mayfield, 20 to 8 ratio, touchdowns to interceptions, yep. near 500. We need upgrades and the defense is struggling, but we run these guys out of town. Dumb. Third year, a must for Bowles and Canals. All right. That's okay. a uh, difference of opinion. Yep. Uh, but that's what we like. That's <laughs> we right. like uh, everyone uh, voicing their thoughts and opinions on this team. There is something to be said about. There's a lack of patience in the NFL, just in yeah. general. There is something to be said about letting things play out a little bit. And I've said it before, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. Jason Light, in other organizations, doesn't even get to the opportunity to bring in Bruce Arians and then Tom Brady right. a year later. That's just how it goes in the NFL. That's a great Same point. With that. David Tepper. Yep. Um, and the patience of sticking with Jason Light clearly paid off. Yeah. Is it the same with Todd Bowles? I kind of don't think so, but you never know. Yep, you never know. One thing that, that we do know, though, is when it comes to your finances, letting the folks over at Immuni Financial help you with your finances is probably one of the best calls you're going to make. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amy Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. One of these days we're getting to Colorado, Matt. We just, we're yeah. doing it, right? But before then, we're going to call it Muni Financial, right? Because managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Do me a favor. Call my guys, uh, Dave and Mark, over there at Muni Financial. And the number is one 800 868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864. Or visit them on the web at immuni.com. Tell them Scott Reynolds sent you. And let them be that second look at your finances. That, that Get a second opinion. You do that in the medical field, do it with your finances too because it makes a world of difference. And of course, uh, once you're done checking out Immuni Financial, do us a favor. Hop on over to pewterreport.com. Hop on to social media and follow us. All of our social media, we are at Pewter Report on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Then, of course, our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. Please hit that like button, subscribe, leave a comment as well. Maybe if uh, if you're not watching this show live, feel free to participate in roll call um, yeah. in the comments. We'll make sure that we uh, like the comment, maybe uh, leave a reply as well. It just helps grow our audience and we love our audience. We love the Peter people. Yep. We have so much fun interacting with you guys. Uh, another fantastic episode with great, great. You guys were uh, awesome. You brought it today. Comments, yep. questions. Yeah, you guys absolutely uh, brought it today. We're going to bring it again 
on Wednesday for our next show as we preview Bucks versus Packers. Packers are playing tonight, so it will be fun to watch. Yeah. We have a late super chat. Thank you to Easy the Great for the $10 super chat who says, I know I'm not the only one who was wanting the Bucks to go for it on fourth and two on the opening possession, but it's nice to have a kicker who can make a 55-yard field goal. Ooh, Honey McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Absolutely yes. right. He's been lights out this season. That's going to do for us. For Scott, I'm Matt. Peace out, everybody. We'll see you next time. Out. Out.